and welcome to Women Who Love Jesus. My name is Kristen Stockfish, and this is episode one. I can't believe it. Here we are. I have been dreaming about this podcast and thinking about it for such a long time, but it seems as though I have finally found my lane. I think it should have been obvious because I am, after all, a woman who loves Jesus, and something I love almost as much as him is talking to his people, having conversations that are important with women who love him. And so you'll find that every single week here. And I'm so excited, Uh, except this week I have to break it to you that I, I broke the rules a little bit and invited a man into the podcast studio, also known as my walk-in closet. So my husband of 10 years, the father of our three kids, Austin Stockfish, is joining us this week. And I don't think there's a better person for the first episode because of all of the people that I will get to talk to and be inspired by and learn from, I don't think there's a person on the planet that I have learned from more, I'm more inspired by, or I've been challenged by more than this man. So even though he's not a woman, we're going to let him into the club for just this time. And I hope this encourages you and I will see you on the other side. We do a little cheers to our... It's 8.30 on a Saturday night. We have a little bevy here and... And a podcast. And a podcast. Welcome to the studio. I like the studio. It's certainly well insulated for sound. Yeah. You have all of the clothes in here. Neutral colors. It's very soothing. I'm a neutral girl in my wardrobe. What can I say? Yeah. It has nothing even close to your closet though well i mean it's taken years of practice to get to the color coordination section organization that you find in my small tiny compact closet that and what may be classified as clinical ocd You don't ever lose anything in there, so. Well, welcome to the podcast, Austin Stockfish. I'm glad to be the one and only man thus far to make it on to the. Besides Jesus, of course. Of course. Yes. Of course. Yep. You are. And I'm so happy to have you. It's good to be here. So tell me about why you love Jesus. Just to start with a, you know. Wow, start off hot, coming in hot. (laughs) Um. You know, there's something that is so valuable, we might get into this later in the podcast, but so valuable about the truth. And I think for as long as the Lord has shown me his face, what I've known about him is to be true. And uh, the more that he uncovers that in my life, in the things that are around me, and the things that I can come to know of those about him, what I can come to know about him, about his word, only um, continues to facilitate the fact that what I give my life to in every way, shape, or form, or hope to, is that it is in the truth of who God is and has revealed himself to me to be. Do you remember as vividly as I do when we were dating in college 
and the story that I tell a lot about that shift that was made in my faith when you asked me, why do I believe what I believe? Do you remember that as vividly as I do or no? I do, because not only was it kind of a turning point of the question that I asked, but I remember, you know, that's that's a question that in, in that same format of just stirring the pot that I like to do from time to time. This man is a professional <laughs> pot stirrer. In fact, my whole family will appreciate this, but we have a long and lengthy often um extended family group text and Austin will come to me and say, can I say this in the family group text? And it is something that is so, what would you call it? Spicy. Spicy (laughs) with a hint of passive aggressive. (laughs) And I say no. And he's like, come on, let me stir the pot a little. That's what he always says. That's who you are. So anyway, we, we were dating. We were dating, and you were stirring the pot a little bit with me because I said, I believe what I believe because of all these examples of how God had, had made me feel. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely That's part not. of your story. says that um, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, that that is how evil is just brought out. And brought down. So testimonies and stories and how you feel about God, that's powerful. But it was the first time that someone had challenged me to say, well, I believe it because it's true. And I had never, I I was almost embarrassed that I had never thought about it like that. I mean, no question. The word of our testimony is what we know to be true of God's work in our life and how that's led in front of others. But the blood of the lamb cannot be extricated from Mm -hmm. that verse. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that is something that God would, a holy and perfect God, would send his son to die for sinful men, that we would believe in him. And in that, we would have this urgency for eternity. You can't get away from the fact that the blood of the lamb is true. It was in place and time that it happened. And that's what leads us back to all of this without that without what's coming you know when we record this this is um almost palm sunday Mm -hmm. but when we think about where this is and and what's coming in front of us you know that happened in in space and time and that's not something to be um overshadowed or overlooked in any way shape or form yeah so tell me beyond just the fact that this is true I witness you now that you're home a lot with me. I don't see you as much or I didn't see you as much when you were traveling because of your job. Um, But I get to see you now in the mornings, every morning, and I see you open your Bible. Congratulations. Can we give another cheers to you finishing the study Bible? How many years did that take? I did. I finished the uh, read through your Bible in a year in just under six years, (laughs) in fact. But to give you credit, it was a study Bible, and you read every footnote, probably? You know, I read most of them. Okay. I read most of them. I won't say that I read all of them. Okay. But, you know, I'd started that multiple times before, and you make it to about Leviticus, and then, you know, it gets a little dry, and, you know, you're trying to keep on this pace, and I said, you know what, I'm going to do it with no pace. I'm going to read cover to cover, 
and some would call that in. the ruthless elimination. That was there Harry. was there was some, now I read that by the time I got to about Jude, <laughs> but yes, there was an element there five plus years ago that uh, the Lord must have said, "Hey, just eliminate your hurry through the Word." Yeah. Love and that. take in everything that it says in this book. I just love that. So. And I witness you in the morning take that Bible out. And so do you have a plan right now? Because you had a plan for six years. You and know, now yeah. do you have a plan or no? So I, I, I don't. Currently, when I don't have a plan, I typically go back to Psalms. Oh. So if I sit in between time of what my next kind of study through the word will be I just kind of go back to Psalms and I can work through one or a few of those mm-hmm. on a daily basis um, but I'm currently looking at a couple of commentaries in first Peter I'm going back through yeah first and second Peter so I think the the, the first chapter of first Peter is one of the most comprehensive views of the gospel in the whole word and he, having heard that preached on, and expounded upon by Britt Merrick a couple of times. I was just going to say, give I, a shout out to, uh, what does he call him? Pentecostal Pete. Pentecostal, Pentecostal <laughs> Pete, exactly. Good old Britt Merrick. Um, so that's probably what will be next. But, but anytime I find myself in an in-between of what that might be, um, I can take a lot of the range of what the Psalms can give you as far as human emotion and pursuit of God within that. And so I like to go back there for that. There or Hebrews are kind of the, the in-between, okay. the, the two in-between books that I tend to that. find myself in. Yeah. Okay. I'm in the Psalms right now, too. I have, I'll have you know. Nice. Hey, but I'm like in the 70s. So. Oh, okay. okay. Do you start at one or do you kind of no, just I, wherever? No, I kind of I kind of bounce around. I'm okay. in the 90s right now. Wow. You yeah. just pass me Straight up. up. Okay, yeah. I love it. Uh, if there happened to be someone that came across this podcast and somehow was bold enough to move past the name Women Who Love Jesus, but don't necessarily believe in him, or maybe they used to and they're not sure now, or yeah, they, they never have, but are maybe a little bit interested, interested enough to open this up. What do you say to, what do you say to them? What do you mean, like, like dudes looking for women who love Jesus? Well, or, what, I mean that you... would that would be smart. Well, on I mean, their there part, might be a few but... dudes that come across us and be yeah. like, "Hey, I'm looking for a woman who likes Jesus." Maybe there's for <laughs> maybe sure. they got tips on the Some podcast. Clues. You know, it's yeah. something. Well, there's a little plug there actually. We... <laughs> <laughs> it might be something to listen into. Maybe that fellas. could be the sponsor, the ad in the middle. Just, dudes, yeah, like this one dude <laughs> brought to you by dudes today. <laughs> this, is, for... <laughs> this is brought to you by Mr. Evan. <laughs> Fitzgerald. Here's his number. He's looking for a woman that likes Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, what was the question? So anyway, Evan, the question is, if someone stumbles upon this and is wondering both the relevance of Jesus, they're, let's say in the midst of all of the craziness in our world right now, mm. they're looking for something that is outside of themselves because clearly what they have provided for themselves alone isn't working for them and they stumbled across this what what do you say to someone like that and why is this a worthwhile thing to pursue or run after it's it's the only thing that we have in any worldview that holds water just empirically at the at the first surface level of what 
the Christian worldview provides. It is the only thing that provides an answer and provides purpose to all of the things that we're seeking after as human beings. And when you look at the, you know, and for me, when you look at the logicality of what God has given us in his word, as it, as it works its way through from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between, you have encompassed in those words everything you could ever need. And as you seek that and find that, you, you uncover what is so much more than just a book of logic or wisdom or right living or what we find in New Age spirituality or any other type of religion or worldview. You find something of a God that loves the creation in such a way that he would come down here and come to us, which blows away every single other worldview. And when you come to that realization, when you come to grips of the fact that like, look, you can't, you, you, you can't work your way toward God. It just, it doesn't work that way logically. We can't, we shouldn't be able to do enough good things in order to get to God in some way. Mm -hmm. The only way that it could happen is that he would come to us. Mm -hmm. And the only way that we could be reconciled to a holy and perfect and just God would be that he would have to provide some type of way for us to get there. And that is all there in the gospel. And then you can go at level after level after level of all that he's done and laid out for us in the life of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and then all that continues on in his church and the hope that we have into eternity. I think that um, you, you can start at this surface level of it, and I hope that the people listening to this do, that if they don't know, that they would start of like, you know, I know some people that have bought into that. Mm-hmm. I know some what those lives look like. Mm-hmm. There's something there. I don't know what's there for me, but it's obviously attractive enough to understand right. the elements of forgiveness and grace and love and an unconditional format that I want that. Mm-hmm. And so, and I hope that that superficial or that kind of supervisory kind of perspective coming into it leads you into these deeper levels that we all know to be true once you come into a relationship with the lord we all knows all know that to be um enlivened and deepened in what it is that we seek from him and what it is that he provides to us yeah i was just thinking through how our relationship with jesus and the way that i pursue him and the way that you pursue him those two are different how do you see those differences playing out in the way that you know jesus and the way that i do how does that complement each other too how would you say when you if someone were to describe you as oh austin man that guy loves jesus what what does that look like and what how do you see that playing out in you i guess the answer the first part i think that the um our initial relationships with the Lord are complementary. That we don't necessarily lack what the other one has. So while I find a lot of richness in uh, the truth 
and the word as it sits there in its context and who it was for and the ways that that speaks to me, the way that the Lord would graciously give those things to us, leads me into more of an emotional connection with the Lord, whereas you are led by that in such Mm -hmm. a way that the Spirit softens your heart enough to be able to grasp the things of what he's put in his word and then that allow it to transform. I would say that they're they're one and the same thing, that we both experience those things, but what we encounter first or what draws us in first might be um, equal and opposite or complementary in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, What was the second part of the question? Well, if someone were just to describe you as a man who loves Jesus, what are you hoping that they see or that they've experienced of you when they say that? I would hope that they would know and experience someone that would sit humbly before their God, Mm -hmm. that it is someone that recognizes the reverence of the one in which he serves, that that is played out in his life in relationship to his family and all those around him, Mm -hmm. Um, that there was a, there's a, there's a recognition there of who he is in relation to God, who God is in relation to him and by that is walking in a manner that is humble before him. I think, I think this idea and study of late that humility is maybe one of the most prized possessions of the believer. Yeah. One of the most um, beautiful offerings the Lord has given us to be humble before him Mm -hmm. i think is is one of the things that i would hope i don't know if that's the case you know lord may that be the case but i would hope that people come to know me as someone that when it came to things of who he was or things of faith there was an apparent an obvious a stark reverence toward the lord and who the lord was in his life and that was played out in ways, and I smile at this because, you know, I know I have a long way to go, but that was played out in ways that he was gracious to others, that he was generous to others, that he was mm-hmm. giving of himself and sacrificing of himself to others the way that the Lord had been to him in such deep ways. Um, I know I have a long way to go in those things, but I hope that as my life unfolds, that those are the things that are apparent because those are the things that are deep in my heart in my relationship to the Lord that I have been shown much grace I have been Mm -hmm. given great generosity to I have Mm -hmm. um you know I have been sacrificed much for yeah um and so to sit in humility and graciousness and thankfulness underneath that underneath the holy God that I serve Mm-hmm. Um, with all that he has done for my life, so completely undeserving of something like that, mm-hmm. um, is something that I hope that people will will know and come to see. It's certainly something that anytime I'm given the opportunity to talk about my relationship with the Lord or who he is, I hope that that, that passion comes through of the, the, the deep love that I have for a God that has shown me grace of which I completely do not deserve. And I'm completely um, humbled and honored to live and serve under. Well, that's awesome. 
we'll, we'll give a little cheers again to that. But I think you said yes to this tonight. You could have gone to bed, but here you are talking about Jesus in a passionate way. So way to go. I did hear one time. I did hear one time. Uh, I don't remember who told me, but it was someone very wise said, if you ever get the opportunity to talk about Jesus, you don't say no. If you're ever invited, if you're ever asked, if you're ever included in such a forum that would ask you to speak about your relationship with the Lord, you don't say no. Now, I'm not a pastor and I'm not asked to speak, you know, 350 times a year or whatever it is. And I know that for those guys, you got to be careful with what your time is like or what have you. But I think for my realm and my sphere, um, I try to be as open and available to any time that it would be that I'm asked to speak about my relationship with the Lord. That's um, good. So, I, I, though this might be my only time, and I might not come back, and this might not be published after the way that this thing goes, <laughs> I, I, uh, I won't ever say no to something like this. So. so, speaking of your realm, you work in finance. You tr- you used to travel a lot for your job. And now you're home. But think back to when life was normal. Can you even remember mm. pre-coronavirus what life was like? But think back to that. How does your identity in Christ, being a man who is in Christ, how does that play out in the day-to-day of being a client portfolio manager? <laughs> when does it come up? When do you wish it did more? What does that look like practically? I think it's sweet when it does come up and it doesn't that often, but I'm fortunate enough to work within a company so connected to Wheaton College that has so many other people that have gone there, been changed by what the Lord has done in their lives in that place that I've come across and been able to work alongside a number of people that know and love the Lord and follow in that. Um, And those are sweet times when I get, uh, you know, to spend time with those people. Um, but that's not always the case, and I think it's it comes apart. It comes across in two places. The first one is, I do love what I do, and there's a lot of elements that I feel like translate very closely to what God has allowed me, um, or gifted me in the ways to be passionate about, and what I enjoy, and what I feel like I'm good at doing. And I think when you, you talk marry about that a lot, two, yeah, Tim Keller and- has a number of. In points good, in his book yes. and every good endeavor that talks about when you can marry those two things what do you love and what are you good at that you found something there unique to what the the lord is offering you in that season and i feel like at least for this season that is the case that was the case in the previous season with fca that was the case in the previous season before that with sales and trading and wheaton that was the case before that with what i had in baseball and so mm-hmm. Um, to find those things and marry those things, which, which isn't always the case, but I feel like it is the case right now in this season, um, to be diligent and to be great at that. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to be great at what I do. I feel like, you know, the Lord has called us to be excellent in the work that he's given us on a daily basis, that if he's called us to the field to have dominion over what is in this earth and whatever it is that he's given your hand to do now in this place, that you should be great and excellent at those things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and the second one is that there's opportunity. There's great opportunity. I found this more and more. And this is a point to what David Platt talks about a lot in 
being able to weave gospel threads into the fabric of your everyday life. And they walked through a whole series, I think it was all the way back when he was at Brook Hills in Alabama, about what does that look like in, in these parts of the globe where you can't talk about Jesus, you can't talk about the cross, you can't, you can't bring up the Bible or anything like that. How is it that believers lead a life that can expose themselves to some of these things that God is uncovering in other non-believers to yes. come to him? And it's by weaving these gospel threads of grace and forgiveness and respect and sacrifice in front of and through the conversations that you have with others. So um, where I can, where the Holy Spirit prompts me to recognize those in conversations and I can enter in in some way in order to weave that in there, someday that will make a change Mm -hmm. at some point in time or God can use that at some point in time. And, you know, my prayer is that I'm always sensitive to, like, what is that crack in the door? And when is he calling me through to put my hand in the door and say something? And, uh, you know, I I know that we need to be sensitive and um, sensitive and mindful of what those conversations look like and how they go. Um, But I also know that we need to be cognizant of when that crack in the door comes bold even yeah and and i think like if you're not looking for it yes that's it's good. easy to punt yeah and and run away yeah but if you're looking for it if you're actively seeking out is this the crack that i can yeah. take here you know i'm looking for a way in yeah that there would be a chance to talk about well why yeah. Why offer someone grace? Yeah. Why offer someone forgiveness? Why should I do those things? Yeah. The world tells me otherwise. Yeah. The world tells me to get mine. Yeah. And I think it's like, it's not about getting yours. And, and what are the ways in which we can enter into those conversations to say, actually, it's different. And you know what? It actually works better. Yeah. So. Is there anything that happens to you physically when that door is cracked. I was just even thinking about myself yes. and how what happens. I get a little like my body gets a little cold. You you get cold. Interesting. And I get a little like shivery. You do? I do. My heart beats really fast and I almost get like flushed, like super fiery and passionate. It and it's you know, it's funny cuz it's not it's not so much when it's just non-believers right. in that conversation yeah it's even when i know i'm asked to come yes. to speak about those same there's something unique about talking about this yeah and the passion that in it enlivens within you yeah i do i do my absolute best when i'm asked to go up and speak about securitized products or mortgage bonds or investment grade bonds which Thanks. i absolutely love which Thanks. i absolutely love i do my best to bring I, I i do my best to bring the steam to that conversation <laughs> which is which is tough to do right that's tough to do okay i do my best to bring some steam to that conversation but there's something on a completely different level that when you're asked to talk about your god and what he has done for you that that changes everything yeah, about it totally what it does. is that's coming out of you the physiological reaction yeah. that you have to that so. it's i feel like it's something to pay attention to even just goosebumps in different ways i feel like that is a signal for me sometimes that um, the holy spirit is just kind of nudging me a little bit more but i've never asked anyone that or thought about it in a way that it could be a signal to us that that could be more of that cracked door opening just a little bit and 
I think in the last year or two, being out of ministry now and just having a lot of relationships with a lot of people that don't believe what I believe, I've been struck by how responsive people can be to someone who just seems sure. Like, wow, she's a Christian, not like wishy-washy about it, not like... Mm apologizing for it but just like no this i believe in jesus like period and then i think there it would be striking to me on the other side if someone was like no i believe that there is no god but they seemed so sure and certain about it i would have been i think i would say let's engage a conversation about that like i I want to know why i think that's a trait and a and a characteristic of people now that i have so much more admiration for people that just this is who i am yes and this is who you know this is what i believe and this is what i'm about yeah and it's even more impressive when you can really back it up like they're self-confident people in the way that they are but like eh, there's nothing behind it but like the people that are genuinely that way are something to be that that i've just been more and more admired of, of like look that's just who they are and even more so and I don't know how many people on this podcast will be far younger than us, but where I've seen that trait in the younger generation, you are just blown away. Yes. And I, and I understand that comes from a place of like, we're all trying to impress everybody around us and our ability to be different people with different people when you we're even younger. More than anyone correct, else. Enneagram three. Is something, is, is <laughs> something that's, that's, uh, you know, uh, rampant across a younger generation so the ones that stand out of like this is who i am yes. and this is what i believe yeah um it's is compelling really, is really compelling it is it's it really is to the world around them that's searching for anything solid to stand on but it is to us who even know already what truth it is i'm compelled by yeah, that and you and, and they do it in a way that is true and honest yeah not in a way that's just trying to be different. Yes. Because I think that there's plenty of that, right? There's yes. plenty of people that are just trying, especially in, in a generation before us or when we were younger, there's plenty of people that are just trying to be, be different just to be different. And it's like, that's not what it is. That that comes across. Like, everyone can mm-hmm. sniff that out very quickly. Mm-hmm. It's more about the people that are genuine of this is who I am. Yeah. And I don't really care. And, and, and so I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm always really impressed. I'm impressed with that out of anybody. I'm continually impressed by that in, in men that I look up to and older men that I look up to. But I'm really impressed by that, by a younger generation that mm-hmm. takes that stance, understands that stance because it's so rare it is. amongst them. Yeah. It'd be interesting to, uh, we don't have to nose dive into it, but that's a conversation maybe for another time. But that how we are able to tell the difference in someone that is genuinely going after it because this is who I am and what I believe and the ones that are doing something just to be different because I think both think they are pursuing authenticity and both want to say this is exactly who I am. You think it's just a innate thing that we can tell. Like you can I just remember hearing somewhere that millennials more than any other generation are attracted to a genuine person and authenticity because of how fake so much of their world is around them that they can sniff it out and I just heard in that capacity it was talking about being a a boss or a leader 
of mm-hmm. millennials and how if you want to win them, if you want them to trust you, you need to be real because so much of the world and how we have been brought up. I feel like the mom of millennials almost. Like, I I think we're barely in. What do you, Are we, like, kind we're of? We're in. We're in? Okay. Yeah. But I feel like they're behind us as well, right? Like yeah. They're, they're, okay. Yeah. They're younger. But like twenty to thirty six or twenty three so like, to thirty six. I mean, or something that's like almost that. me, babes. Like we're the the father and the mother of the millennial generation. All right, yeah, almost. <laughs> you have a couple more weeks, anyway. Um, so that w- I just think that would be really interesting. Okay, well, we're at the end of it here, so we're gonna do a lightning round. Unless you have any questions for me. Do I do the lightning round? No, <laughs> no, I'll do it. I think I thought I was pretty good with that. You did. Okay, just for the listener, we did record one that had a very subtle but annoying hum in the background. and It'll be on the B side. It'll yeah, be on the... Uh, the flip side. The flip side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we are re-recording. And I almost like this one better, although I think we were funnier in the other one. So maybe we have time to redeem ourselves here in the lightning round. Do you okay. want to do the lightning round? No, 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 no. Go ahead. Okay, go okay. Ahead. Are you sure? Well, I don't know. Let's see how good yours are. If they're right, not that right, good, right, maybe right. I'll have to fire back some some. Do you want ones. them to have to do with faith or not have to do with faith? Hey, you're the, you're the host here. Okay. I'm just the guest. All right. Welcome, by the way, guest. Thank you. Good to be on a hot seat. Okay. So, when this all ends, what is the first thing you're going to do when you can do the things that you used to do in a corona-free world, what is the first thing you're going to do? Brush my teeth. What? Oh, you mean after coronavirus? Yes. Oh, I thought you meant the podcast. No. Oh, um, once ago, I'm going to play golf. Oh, yeah, babe. Sorry. So I'll shut down. Sorry about that. I know. There was an Instagram by one of the guys that I follow that I was looking at earlier, and it just had him in the middle of this giant fairway. And, and his little caption was just, I miss golf. <laughs> Me too. And I, and I just commented, Me too. <laughs> Sad face. <laughs> oh, man. There you go. All right. Well, I feel like we could almost end on that note, but I'm going to keep going. Okay. Besides. The very sad news that you have gotten into Tiger King and that happened <laughs> to you. Um, what is a show that you have always been like, you know, should I get into this? And the coronavirus season might just be the, the season that it happens. <laughs> well, I mean, just for the record, okay. I sat down for dinner. I needed something to kill 20 minutes worth while I, I was ate my not dinner. home. Let's just have the listener know and, and put on the <laughs> I needed record. 20 minutes. Yeah, it was 6 o'clock. Rhodes was down. Rhodes was down. And I went to bed at 12.30 at night because I watched all seven or eight episodes or whatever When was the last time you went to bed at 12.30 is the real question. That didn't have to do with travel, I guess. I couldn't tell you the last time I went to bed that late. I couldn't tell you the last time I watched that much TV or the last time I would sit and watch a show that was... It sucked you right in. ...that riveting. Wow. But also that just kind of life-sucking in so many ways, so... Not a recommendation. No, okay. But it is a, it is a, you know, I don't know if you call it a page turner, but you know, it's a Netflix <laughs> five second loop turner. You know, you don't that have, you can't brutal. turn it off in the yes. five seconds. Yes. So anyway, I watched the Tiger King. So that's not, that's your answer. Not a recommendation. What would I watch? Yes. Oh brother, 
I don't know. What okay. you know that you know that the problem is when you turn on Netflix, it's too much. Well, it's just like whatever the, the whatever the next like recommendation thing is that comes up is going to end up being what you end up watching. I don't you know I don't know any shows. I'll probably watch the next season of Billions again. Not a recommendation. Not a but, recommendation, you know. but it has to do with finance. So exactly. he's into it. Exactly. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, if you had to wear something every day that you would feel like this is so me, but you might get a little bit judged by the outside world. Like, why is that guy wearing whatever? What would that be? Wow, that's a great question. It would be a wide-brimmed hat. Oh. I would wear one Wapped? of the big, one of the big, like, a beach. Wide... Oh. You know, one of the big, like, beach. Like or like, Or maybe, one? like, my golf sun hat. I would just okay. wear that everywhere. You know, Why? I feel, well, I feel like it's comfortable. Okay. I got a lot of protection. Right. You know, and, you know, it just kind of, it kind of goes in all situations because you have the practical situations where you're out there, you're in the sun, you're playing golf, whatever. Right. But you also have the situations where you just see a guy in that hat and yeah. you're like, wow, that guy doesn't care about anything. <laughs> you know, and, and that's what, and sometimes I'm like, I wish I could be that guy. Okay. You know, so I probably wear just a big old huge yeah. Nike sun hat or straw hat or something like that. And the off chance right? that it rains. I mean, you're good. You're right. Protected. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want to wear that everywhere? I don't know. You know? Okay. Wow, I'm enlightened. Or, or, you know, just, I can't get away from just a really good suit. You would just wear that, like, to Target. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, come on. A guy walks into Target yeah. in just a, you know, to the nines <laughs> tailored suit. I mean, what are you thinking? What? You know, one, what is this guy doing in Target? What is a guy ta- dressed like that doing in Target? But then you're like, I, I'm going to, whatever he puts in his cart. I'm putting in my cart. You know what I mean? So probably something like that. Now, I don't know if I would mix the two. Oh, okay. I'm not sure the big sun hat <laughs> with, the, with the prime suit is the way to go. But, you know, something but to consider But both are very day. you. I love it. Okay. Do you have any for me? Or were those sufficient? <laughs> I don't know how you could do better than those. Those are I pretty good either. right there. Welcome. Well, I'll just stick to asking cheers. questions. Good time. All right, Austin, uh, why don't you just pray for the people that will be listening and that love Jesus, may not love Jesus. And can you pray for the women in particular? Because that's kind of who we're aiming this towards. It's in the name. Yeah. Okay. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the conversation um, and the ways in which it is so apparent that you have changed our lives in so many ways. I pray that you would do the same for those listening. Um, I pray that you would have a real impact in the women that would tune into this and recognize the ways in which you desire so deeply their hearts on a minute-by-minute, moment-by-moment basis. I pray that they would seek the truth of who you are, that they would find that truth Um, as they uncover more and more of who you are and by that more and more of who it is that they are. And God, for any men that listen in looking for a podcast for where they can find women who love Jesus, I pray that you would speak to them as well. Um, Encourage their hearts as they look in the right places for uh, women who love you. Pray that they would find those things that you have for them in the future. God, thank you for this, your word. 
and the way in which you would take it forth. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, babes. Mm. See you uh, later. See you when we see you. Okay. Bye. you guys thank you so much for joining us for our very first episode i join austin in that prayer for all of you we think about you on the other side of this podcast so often and know that we will continue to pray for you it is my hope that you left encouraged and as always keep loving jesus see you next week